This week on The Zone of Truth, Griff and I welcome on Haley to discuss her new character for the upcoming Bestow Curse podcast, chat through some of the recent developments on the flagship show, and of course, answer some listener questions. I'm your host, Steve, in the studio with your GM and my co-host, Griffin. Roll a will save. You're in The Zone of Truth. back yeah we're back and we're back in the studio we're back in the studio we were just talking about this yeah, before it feels going nice live. man feels real good we haven't recorded one of these in the studio in a long time it has been a while and we've made the upgrade of bringing the ring lights into the studio it really creates a nice ambiance yeah it does and that will translate to the final product that i think we're gonna, gonna sound uh, what color are we gonna sound orange orangey glow orange. we're gonna sound like an orangey glow you yeah, got like a good rose gold thing oh rose gold yeah. okay yeah i see where you're going here the fish gold yeah um, it's all coming together. And I think that's going to translate really well to the final finished product is what I'm trying to say. Hey, if you, if you listeners don't hear an orange tinge, get your ears checked. Yeah. Go to the doctor. Go to the doctor. You might have tinnitus. Yeah. You might have tinnitus or they might, uh, just finally clean your ears for once you filthy animals. <laughs> but Hey, yeah, we're back. Um, let's say hi to Haley. She's here joining us. Hi Haley. Hello. Glad to have you. It's been a minute. Thanks. Yeah, I actually asked Griffin before this, when was the last time I was actually on Zone of Truth as something other than the producer? That's a good question. It might have been um, book three wrap up. No, it's been a minute, but we had Haley on and she talked about, was it talking about Tulia? It might have been. Yeah. I'm not sure if it was the last one, but that's the last one I remember. Yeah. I don't know what number that was, but it's been a long time. It has been a long time. A long time since we've had most of the crew on. We've done a lot of interviews and lives lately. Yeah, we haven't had Brooks on for like a year. We got to change that. Yeah, we always said we were going to do a coffee episode with him one day. Well, we did the coffee episode. Yeah, you did. You remember that, right? (laughs) Yeah. Oh. That's that's the the last time he was on, right? (laughs) God, I hope not. That was so long ago. Sorry, Brooks. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll have to change that. Uh, but let's get around to drinks real quick. Uh, Haley, what are you bringing to the studio tonight? Oh, water. All right. Sensible for a Tuesday evening. <laughs> How about you, Griff? I'm having a Founder Solid Gold. Okay. And as for myself, I've got a Five Vulture Dark Ale from Five Rabbits Brewing back in uh, Chicago there. Going to crack that bad boy open and get started. That's a tasty beer. However, I got to put some music on. You know what time it is. This one's called Night at Black Wolf's Inn. Bam. Let's go. All right. All right. It's a bop. It is. Some chill loot. Really brings out. I feel I'm getting a good uh, rose gold vibe from it. Yeah. So. Should night at Rose Gold's Tavern. Hell yeah. All right. Um, As we've been starting these uh, Zones of Truth lately, I want to do a little housekeeping because there's been so much going on. And just make sure that everyone's up to date with all of our big announcements, goals, new releases, all that fun stuff. Ooh, and do we have big news or what? Oh boy. So 
first is the the real big one. If you have not heard, if you haven't been tuned into our social media or what have you, we have hit our Patreon goal to launch the Bestow Curse podcast. Woo! We did it. You guys did it. Well, right. We didn't do much. We didn't do it. Promote the shit out of it. But (laughs) yes, a massive, massive thank you to all of the folks that were able and willing to contribute to our Patreon. Could not have done it without all of you. And with that in mind, there are some things that we've committed to that need to happen. So... In the next live Zone of Truth, we're going to announce the final player and character of the show, Still a Mystery. That is scheduled for April 17th. That is a live episode. It's going to be a Saturday. And then soon after that, the rest of the world we're here will hear. So uh, if you're subscribed to the $10 and up tier, you're going to find out a couple days early. And it's a good one. Oh, yeah. We got yeah. a stacked roster this time around. That's very exciting. We need to announce a launch date. We do need to announce that. We will be announcing that. Yes. We'll probably be doing that in its own announcement, though. Yes. And, uh, Griff, I, th- I think this is probably okay to talk about, right? We're going we're gonna to be dropping a couple eps in the beginning, right? Yeah. We're definitely going to shoot for the standard from us, which is a three-episode release. Uh, so get ready for it. It's going to be a brand-new podcast and a really a fresh start for us as experienced Pathfinder podcasters to be able to give you something really polished off the get-go. I'm really excited. Yeah, we're not going to make all those mistakes we made All those rookie mistakes at the beginning. <laughs> also, as the person who usually sets up where the podcast plays, I'm so happy to know where to go for this time, because last time, I feel like I was learning on the fly, adding more places and add more places you guys could find the podcast. Mm-hmm. It'll be oh, nice speaking of that, though, this podcast is going to be on its own feed. So it's not going to be on the Hideous Laughter podcast feed. It's going to be on the Bestow Curse feed. So when we oh, do I thought you meant the that, Zone of Truth. And I was oh, like, no, 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 not the Zone of Truth. The Zone of Truth is the where it is for now. No, just Bestow Curse. Yeah. Yes, Bestow, it'll be on- Bestow Curse will be on its own feed, which means it'll be on its own page in iTunes and all of that other stuff. But as we have those details, we will communicate them to you. I'm sure you'll want to know <laughs> when stuff drops. Sub to to it early. Uh, The subscriptions and stuff are really going to help us out when we launch the show. Absolutely. So more to come on that and a little bit more of a teaser. This was our big Patreon goal. It was the big one and we hit it. But that doesn't mean we're not going to keep setting goals. So we've been talking internally about what the future of the HLP looks like even beyond Bestow Curse. So... Um, I imagine not too long after we we drop a Stow Curse, you all will be seeing some new updated goals. I know it's going to be more cool content. Y'all get excited for it. All right. Last couple quick announcements here. Griff and I were on an episode of Tom Talks. That's the uh, Southern Tomfoolery behind the scenes interview show where they... It's not their interview show. We oh, just got to be right. on it. We, ju- we just crashed it. We just crashed it. Yeah. Uh, their interview show is STFU. I knew that. I just forgot. Um, but you can go check that out on the STF RSS feed. We're talking about our hideous tomfoolery crossover. It was a lot of fun. It was a long ass episode, but we got into it. It was we good. Did. Yeah. And then... I got one more thing listed here under housekeeping that I'm yeah. not sure if I'm allowed to bring up yet. I, I think we can because okay. they're they're going to be on the Zone of Truth right after this. Great, uh, Griff. I know this is kind of a, a product of you know something you've had in the in the an iron you've had in the fire for a while. You want to take this one? Yeah. So we are 
Now, good friends with a show called The Stubborn Heroes. Uh, they are a fifth edition podcast, and they do uh, they they do a really awesome homebrew story. We have set up a crossover where I'm going to be a character on their show for actually a couple of episodes, yeah. uh, and it's really exciting. It was really fun to play with those guys. Their show's really cool. I recommend checking it out. Uh, but if you want to hear me play fifth edition. I have a really cool character in store, which I'm not sure I'm allowed to fully announce <laughs> here yet, but it's a voice you're familiar with, and it's a name you're familiar with, and he was a hell of a lot of fun to play. That should be coming out on April 11th. It's going to be episode 23 of their regular show. Honestly, the arc we're on is kind of standalone, so if you just want to hear me, you can certainly do that, but if you want to give them a listen, it's episode 23. They're on their second season of the show, mm-hmm. so episode, or season two would be a good place to start if you wanted to listen to them. And there's some they, they commissioned some sick art of my character and stuff. They're really integrating my character into their world, which is really cool. We're going to have a chance to talk to them on the next Zone of Truth, and... I'm sure they'll be able to give me some shit on how poorly I can play 5e. <laughs> but I played it and I had fun with it, even even though it's not our preferred system. Uh, I'm not going to shit on it because I did have a blast. I'm glad to hear that. And yeah, I started listening to season two of their show today. Uh, audio quality is slick and they built a badass world. So certainly worth checking out. All right. That was a lot. Let's talk about what we've been doing lately before we get into the meat of the episode. Haley, take it. What you been up to? So I have, I found out, I guess, I didn't realize that this was the case, but I found out I, I actually read at a probably disgustingly fast pace. I don't know how many times Griffin has been uh, asked me, how are you already done? Or don't you want to like savor that book? And so I've been reading lots of books lately and um, I got really into a couple series and I, I got a couple, I got a ton of recommendations recently. And so I've been reading through those, uh, I think maybe last week between audiobook, ebook and uh, physical copies of the books. I think I finished uh, maybe four books. Um, <laughs> Jesus. So. Yeah, I, I thought I had a quick reading speed and like fast reading comprehension, but Haley's like devouring thousand-page books in like an afternoon. I've never, I've never now. seen it before. Yeah, I, I, I really didn't think it was. Um, I didn't think that I read as fast until I started like catching up with some of those people who recommended these books to me, and then I'm sitting there, and they're like, "How are you done? What do you mean? Are I you was reading like, like a, are you a chameleon, like reading two pages at once with either eye? Like, how are you doing it? Very good question. I'm confused how it's happening. But I wonder I if you just like developed the speed reading thing, like naturally. That, that has Maybe. to be it because people don't read that fast. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, I, yeah, like, I'm, I'm not, not dumb, sure. but like right. I don't read I re- anywhere close to that fast. I'm not reading. I'm not reading a thousand pages in an afternoon. That's an exaggeration. It's yeah, it may be an exaggeration, but you're finishing a book on a Sunday. That's yeah, like yeah, that eight hundred pages case. long. Yep, that is the case. Yeah, and so I, I don't know. I used to read a lot when I was a kid, and then um, back in October of 2019, I picked up audiobooks, and I have just continued to pick up my um, one of my favorite hobbies from when I was a kid, which is reading. And I even got a Kindle, so I've been able to read at night, which has thankfully saved Griffin's eyes because I'm not using a flashlight to read. Yeah, she does that one night. I'm like, what the hell do you think you're I, doing? I had 
got only three is, chapters left. Uh, well, yeah, three that, chapters left. Okay, but Whack. this has never happened in, in bed before where she's Correct. just like pulled out a flashlight. And I'm like, I got to work tomorrow. So that's that's like kid trying to sneak playing Game right, Boy under right the cover. I'm right next to it. It's like you're not gonna hide it from me. You can't hide it from me. You can't go under the covers. I can see. I can see it. I had three chapters left. I wasn't not gonna finish it. Don't I have like a reading lamp or something you could turn on? No, I have just... a Kindle now. I'm fine. <laughs> We're just Weird. gonna go with that. Yeah. All right. What, so what are you reading? Yes. <laughs> oh, what am I reading? Um, what am I reading? Right I know now? it's all a blur. It's not a blur. I no, no. The problem is, I actually just finished a book yesterday afternoon, and so I am about to start a book, but I'm not sure. I I've I've read like the first chapter of a couple of them lately, um, so I'm not sure what uh, what the next book is. I really want to start, but I did read or listening. I listened to, I listened this time to an interesting um, trilogy. It's about a um, bone witch is the main thing. It's kind of an interesting world. It's it's kind of a dog witch. No, I was no disappointing. But it is a uh, more of a quick read. It's it's uh, I would say it's interestingly wrote though, where um, it flashes between future and past throughout the entire thing until at the end of the third book, you finally know why. Or how the future section of the first book starts. So it's kind of interesting because you're basically uh, dual reading. So it's two like uh, it's like the season one of The Witcher, <laughs> where the past, present, and future are all kind of happening in the narrative. Yeah, it's just like it's like past and pr- I guess present is really what it is, not future. But um, yeah, it's it's interesting in that regard, and it's. Um, it's supposed to be based on, uh, like, reminiscent of geisha culture, and so it's very fascinating. Um, What's it called? It's called the Bone Witch. Oh, the Bone Witch is the name. I thought it, you said it was about a Bone Witch. It, it like, is about yeah, a Bone yeah, Witch, yeah. but bo- the Bone Witch is the name, um, and then it also has Heartforger and Shadowglass. I don't know what the name of the trilogy is, but... Probably the Bone Witch Saga. <laughs> Probably. But yeah, it was really interesting that you wrote, and so that's what I... Uh, liked about it, but that's awesome. Yeah, we need more book recommendations on this show because we got a lot of people that read in our Discord and people throw around suggestions all the time. So, man, the amount of books I could recommend. <laughs> throw them in the Discord. I'm yeah, still, I, yeah, I, I recommended the Priory of the Orange Tree too to Steve actually, and that's a really good one. I talked about that in the Discord. It was, uh, it's, it's another long one, but it's really good. Yeah, I've got that sitting on my bedside table, and uh, when I get to it, it's probably going to take me like the summer. I'll try. Wait, really? Well, I don't read as as much as you do either. I guess that's I true. Read, Most I people don't true. like spend the entire day doing nothing but reading. Right. Yeah. Like I usually my my I still read what I consider like a good amount for like someone our age, considering that like I feel like our age doesn't really read anymore. I read like twenty or thirty minutes a night before I go to bed if I'm not like wasted. So like three nights a week I I read. <laughs> That's, that's, gotcha. a that's a sad stat. <laughs> All right, Griff, what's going on? Brand new animal, BNA on Netflix. Yeah. My shit right now. I've right, been watching tell, it. Tell me everything. <laughs> so remember when uh, I said on here that we watched Beastars? Mm-hmm. This is like the less sexy version of that, but it's still a good show. Where like there's a there's a city, 
that has people like descendant from animals. Uh, hang on, hang on. They're separate from humans. Because it all starts off with humans versus beastmen. Yes, they're beastmen. Uh, and their society is different, and the main character is a human that was afflicted with beastmanitis, which is what they're calling it. <laughs> and normally, normally beastmen are born beastmen, uh, but this girl is a human that suddenly turned into a tanuki, which is, I guess, a raccoon person. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but she has like special powers, and I she's being so she's being <laughs> she's being examined because she can like morph parts of her body. <laughs> She, she she joins a baseball team and she's like the pitcher and like her arm gets like three times the size of her body. And but she she like, she like morphs into having like other types of animals. Yeah, parts. yeah, yeah. So she gets like a gorilla arm when she pitches and and so she good. runs the bases with cheetah legs and stuff. Come so on, so yeah, come on with that so shit. Amazing. Come on. Uh, I highly recommend it. I'm having a blast watching it. It's but it's definitely one of those shows that's like. Me and Haley at the end of the night put it on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's BNA, not DNA. Don't get yeah, confused. BNA. All right, yeah, I'll be careful. <laughs> um, do you think that Paizo added Beastkin to the advanced uh, ancestry guide because of uh, BNA? I mean, they came out around the same time. I can only think that they were working behind the scenes together somehow. Wow. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I'm into it. I tend to think that was probably more inspired by Beastars because Beastars came first. Yeah, um, I still don't know if I thought Beastars was good, and I watched it like a year ago. But I like watched it in a day, which I don't do. I don't watch shows in a day. I watch Beastars in a day, and by the time I got to the end, I was like, I don't know if I enjoyed that. That is where I stand with it. It's like a, I watched it. I couldn't stop. I I had a pretty good time with it. (laughs) That was a pretty good show. What have you been doing, Steve? Thank you for asking. So I watched the first episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and I really enjoyed it. I don't know if you guys have checked it out yet. I know you were big fans of WandaVision when that yeah, was on. Yeah, not yet. I know it like kind of just came a, out, didn't it? Is that a Disney show? Yeah, it's, yeah. Another, it's the next Marvel series. Oh, oh, I didn't know there was more. Yeah, they're, they're, they're coming out with a whole bunch of them, but... We'll probably watch that. Yeah, it, it was really good. Um, I, I just got to say, they're... In part of the opening sequence, like the Falcon has one of the coolest action sequences that I've seen in a very, very long Thank time. Thank God, because the Falcon is lame to me. <laughs> dude, dude, he, he, t- he rips it up in the beginning. It's so fucking good. Um, so I, I, I'm excited for that. It's pretty cool. It's supposed to be a very grounded superhero story. So I like that a lot. Um, but what I'm rounded? Re- yeah. It's the Falcon. He's never on the ground. But, dude. That's why they got the Winter Soldier. Oh, he's the ground guy. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right. So, uh, but what I'm really excited for right now is um, Attack on Titan is coming to a close. And I've been watching this show for years. And it's fucking great. And this is season four, the final season. They're kind of doing like uh, like a Parks and Rec thing. Like, I don't know if you guys remember the final season of Parks and Rec yes. where it was like, inexplicably we're going to jump several years in the future and not only are you going to have like these cool stories develop but these cool stories are also going to inform the audience what happened in the several years of downtime which has been a a very different take for the show and it's wrapping up in a very interesting way that i um didn't really see coming so it's very good man like 
That show fucking slaps. Yeah, Steve, uh, I sent Griffin this a while back, but there's this guy who has made multiple Attack on Titan-based workouts. Oh, yes? God, it's... Hilarious. <laughs> oh, yeah? Really dumb. <laughs> Such ass. One of them, he's like, he, he has. Run. He does the he run. Does the, he oh, does, the, the, he does the fucking like <laughs> the wavy arm run. Yeah, limbs flopping all well, over the place. One of them is the Captain Levi like circular slash thing. Oh, where he like spins around like a tornado. It's like, yeah, he's he's doing yeah. some kind of jump sequence. Yes, it's true. I like watching Captain Levi cut up Titans is truly one of my guilty pleasures. Like, I don't even know that I'm that big of a fan of Captain Levi, but the way they animate that man moving through the air like Spider-Man with swords is just really great. Really a treat. Yeah, I just, it hits something. Yeah, it's I, a treat. I think of the uh, the Beast Titan scene is like one of the best scenes in that show. Oh, when yeah. When he just like dominates. There's one, there's one action sequence, I think in season three, where... Um, Levi's going up against like the serial killer dude and like all of his cronies and it's set like over the credits but Levi is like parkouring through the city just like slashing people up and it's some of the most enjoyable moments I've ever spent <laughs> on my couch watching that scene so I, I'm I'm really excited to see the big finale I think it's supposed to be dropping like the day that this episode releases so um Really excited to see where that's going. But uh, let's get to the real meat of this episode. How about we do that? Yeah. Haley, you are part of the Bestow Curse podcast. And you're playing a character. Yep. Who are you playing? My character's name is uh, Mirata Bolgen. She'll go by Mir. Mirata Bolgen. Mirata <laughs> Bolgen. God damn it. It's spelled Darchi. out in front of me. <laughs> it's yeah, it, it's kind of weird spelling. Yeah. I know. Mirata Bolgen. Correct. Okay, I'm just gonna call her Mir, like you suggested. Yeah, Mir. <laughs> um, we're not do we're not doing this live, so we're not be we're not able to display the character art in front of folks. But do you kind of want to describe this character's appearance? She's a half orc druid, and uh, she has the kind of classic half orc green skin. Mm -hmm. um, and her tusks are a little bit less visible than maybe a normal orc and our half orc, and she also is much more. Um, She's a little bit more slender than maybe a... Traditionally, I feel like half-orcs are usually kind of bulkier people. Mm -hmm. And she's just a little bit less. She's a little more uh, slender. Very, very... Uh, wearing all leathers, uh, usually because she's druid and much more practical. The only thing that's super impractical for the most part it's it's got it's got its own purpose but is her hair so her hair is regularly uh wrapped in and covered in um different colored fabrics cloths leather leathers and other natural materials uh in her hair and that's important actually to her because she is a barber excellent so all right, so I got a, a whole lot of questions for you, but you're leaving me something juicy here. Your background is the barber. What's the deal with that? Yeah, so she actually um, owns a shop, her own barber shop, in Corvosa. So she owns this shop. She has a um, business owner in town, which is, uh, I think, your your character, Steve, also has a business. So. Yep. 
Kind of. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> um, but yeah, very tied to the city in that way. Uh, she is... She ha- knows a lot of people around town because of that, or at least in her um, segment of town, which is also or- Old Corvosa. Uh, so she would be familiar with probably most of uh, the people who would go to or- Old Corvosa for like a well done, but more inexpensive hair. Um, but you'd have to get around the fact that there is usually a badger in the shop. So some people might not be okay with that. Badger everywhere, bags of worms. <laughs> We are going to get to the badger, but you actually took the barber background, right? Yeah. And that does something really cool, doesn't it? Yeah, the nice thing about the, um, the, or I guess the fun thing about the barber background is barber is not just for haircuts. It's also dentistry, bloodletting, and surgery. So how many of those does Mir do? Who knows, huh? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Spoiler alert, all of them. <laughs> all of the above. The answer is E, all of the above. That comes with the risky surgery feat. It does, yeah, which is a very cool feat that essentially I can bring a patient back from the brink of death, but I might just push them over the edge first. So when I treat wounds, I deal 1d8 slashing damage as I cut into the patient in order to treat those wounds. So... I can't. I probably won't heal bruises anywhere near as well as I can heal other things. Because <laughs> I'll cut them open. Oh, that's a nasty bruise. Let me drain that hematoma I'll for you. I'll drain it. It's fine. <laughs> yep. You know, this was kind of what I was alluding to in the last live episode where I was like, well, I'm a pretty good healer, but I know our party can do healing too. And yes, it was that risky surgery where like you hurt someone a little bit, but your healing is a little bit better when you do that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So um, let's take it back for a second to this this half-orc heritage. You kind of described how Mir looks. Um, is there anything cool, any sort of like ancestral feats you took at level one that are particularly notable? I mean, I, I took the, the two feats that everyone takes. I, I have, um, as far as like, we are, we're doing the ancestral paragon. So I have two feats, um, orc sight and orc ferocity. Yeah, those are classics. Real hard to beat. This yeah. party's all going to have dark vision, aren't they? <laughs> Why wouldn't we? But yeah, you're right. When you get two ancestry feats at level one, you spend one of them on dark vision and the other one something cool. That's exactly what I did. That's, yeah, that's, that's what everybody <laughs> did, I think. <laughs> All right, so um, you did give us a little teaser of her class earlier. She is a druid. Why'd you pick a druid? Druid sounded like it'd be fun to play. <laughs> I mean, uh-huh. It sounded like it'd be fun. I wanted something that would be kind of flexible, and in 2E, a druid seemed to fit the bill. Absolutely. I've heard a lot of really, really good things about the 2E druid. I really like that you can pick up another order. I didn't realize that was a thing when when 2E first came out, but you can, like, the orders kind of specify what you're good at, and you can pick up another one later on, which is kind of cool. I did not know that at all, but that leads me to my next question. Haley, what order did you pick? I picked the animal order. And what does that give? I get an animal companion, um, and I can heal animals. (laughs) (laughs) Great. (laughs) And you're not worried at all about Griffin killing your animal companion, right? Because that's not anything he would ever do. No, I think that would be worse than killing my character. Griffin, you can't kill my animal. (laughs) Listen, 
the dice roll how they roll, all right? I guess, yeah, but... And your animal is a badger? Yes. Cool. Does your badger have a name? Yeah, Figgy. Figgy. Nice. Very cool. I've never played something in 2E with an animal companion. I know it's a little different from how it usually works in 1E. Can either of you guys educate me a little bit on how it might work? Yeah, so in 1E, there were those trained... Uh, you had to like train your animal companion. <laughs> train him in some tricks. Yeah. And no one really ever did that that I'm I know <laughs> of anyways. It was just not it was it was less fun in my opinion. But yeah, if you're a GM that did that, shame on you. <laughs> you can see on uh, like the mainline show, we've been through like every class and nobody's had animal companions because just like this is a lot of fucking work. Well, you know well, I wouldn't make you guys do the training bullshit. I hate yeah. that. An animal companion isn't it's it's not that much work, but in one e at least it's like here is a full-on animal and it just does everything that you want all the time and you don't i feel like you don't have to do much versus um in 2e you can't they they get an action um but you can also give them one of your actions in order to command them to do something so so they only get one action around and they can get two if you forego yeah. one of yours yep. you have to if use an okay. action to command you would use it to tell it what to do yeah it gives the animal two actions otherwise it can pretty much only attack a thing in front of it so if you want to tell it what to do you got to use command yeah well that's pretty cool that that keeps it from like just doubling your turn by having yeah your three actions and like an animal's three actions. right in the three action economy they had to think about how to adjust for an animal companion, which, if it were by one of rules, would have a full three actions, right, which could yeah. get pretty strong. Yeah, so badgers also have something interesting for their support side, by the way. Okay. Which is, uh, badgers will dig around a foe's position, interfering with its footing, and then um, until the start of m my next turn, if it's hit and does damage, then um, that the badger threatens, then the target can't actually use the step action. Until it moves. So much like much like people have demoralized and that kind of and faint and those things that are all good actions to use in combat, each of the animal companions has something that they can do to kind of, as an action, debuff, basically. It's called a, the support benefit. That's pretty cool. I, I feel like that would be really handy in combat. Yeah. Nice. All right. Part of our big old bestow curse run is that Griffin is awarding us all free archetypes. I elected to keep mine a secret on the show. Haley, is that something you want to reveal here or is that something you want to keep for yourself? Yeah, I want to keep that to myself. We don't have it yet, so okay, it's not coming up yet. Yeah, that's that's kind of where my head was, too. Like, I want the plausible deniability of, like, taking what I want at level two. Yeah, that's fair. We... Uh, to be fair, listeners, we've talked about them for everybody, but yeah, they're not entirely set in stone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, who the hell knows when we're getting to level two? Like, a lot could change. All right, so moving on from just, you know, the, the character's raw mechanical stuff, did you cast this character with an actor or actress at all? No, I almost never do that. Yeah. And um, any specific inspiration for the character? Any of the books you're reading, movies, shows... Uh, stories, what have you? Uh, not really. I, I I knew a few things, and, and that was I wanted a character that is good. Um, 
and does nothing but tries to be good. Good uh, as in like the alignment good? Yeah, and just like a good person. Mm-hmm. Like I want to play a good person. Wow, you've literally never done that in yeah. the five years we've been gaming together. Right, I want it to be this a- This is a challenge for you. It is, I understand. it is. I mean, I'm, and, and when I say literally never, I, I think that's true. That's not true. <laughs> it's literally not true. I have played good characters, is but- Is Tulia good? That's the only one I can think of. Okay, non-recorded. No, non-recorded. No, you no. played a cannibal lizard foot. Hey, you yeah. played a terrible. Divine is good. You played. Oh, there okay. we go. All right, all right. There we go. <laughs> I was gonna say you played a you played a pirate. You played. Also tried to be. I okay okay. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I mean, lay it all out for me. It's here's the thing. Most of my characters, if they're good, they fall on that chaotic good, and I have had forced alignment shifts more times than I care to. Because you don't play them as good. Okay, people. yeah. I- Okay, they shift at some point. They start good. I try, and I just end up well. So I'm trying again, and this time I'm not even. I'm not going on the chaos side either. Wow, just straight down the middle, neutral good. Yes, because I I do not think that I can possibly play a lawful good character. I, think, <laughs> I do not e, think it's possible. In two e, does this, a druid still have to have a neutral component to their alignment? I think so. But... So neutral good's the only way you could go. Yeah, I wasn't. Um, I, I, I mean, I know that's the only way. Even if, if, even if that was the only way I could go, it was where I was trying to go. Dope. All right. Well, I know that's going to be a challenge for you. I wish you the best. Um, I, I've got a question here. How? What role do you, are you envisioning for this character to like behave in combat and in games? So you know, we've introduced. Uh, Chris is playing our beat stick barbarian. I'm trying to do like a healer thing. What battlefield role are you feeling? Maul. So like in general, one thing you will see from characters of mine, besides the fact that usually they're not good people, is that I try to have uh, a lot of flexibility in, in every character that I play. So my goal in general is usually to make a character that can flex to either be uh range or melee you know support or uh you know damage dealing and so once again that's that's what i'm trying to land on i am trying to be that more flex side Mm -hmm. i'm going to have spells i also will have you know the badger that can help hurt Uh, it's i the goal is to have some of that flexibility once again because i again i don't think i would like playing a character long term that could only do a few things. I've done that a couple times and I enjoy it a lot less than I enjoy a character that can flex. Yeah. You're wielding a bow in the character art. Yes. Yes. My character is wielding a bow, but like I still have the ability to do melee with the badger. So like I, me, Haley, am flexible, but my character is uh, maybe a little bit less. No, I, I think that's very fair. I think having that like kind of switch hit capability, especially like going back and forth between ranger melee and magic, because I know druid spell list can get pretty decent. So like you've got a lot of tools in your toolbox, which is going to be good. And that's if you guys haven't been able to tell before, that's what I enjoy uh, playing. I like enjoy pl- and, and I enjoy playing characters that have a lot of different abilities even if some of them are by items like in Tulio's case yeah, it's gonna be nice to have different schools of magic too in the party we have our divine and we have our primal with the uh, or- oracle and druid respectively there might be other schools of magic I don't know 
Griffin, we can't say that yet. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, no, that, that is actually something we also talked about before uh, we all settled into our roles. Like, not only just what party roles do we want to fill, but what of the magic schools can we hit? Yeah, or like what what knowledges do you want to have? You're obviously going to have your nature and your religion and your... Uh, Wait, I should know about nature. You should. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Of course I know about nature. All right, character sheet's not locked in yet. You can, you can move some skill points around if you need to. Oh, it's, it's weird how focused our druid is on Arcana. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Um, okay, very cool. Well, I'm really looking forward to see her, uh, you know, engage in some combat, fill that role on the team. Very exciting. We're going to keep it moving along here, but before we do, I, I do want to award you any time right now that you want to take to talk about anything that you're excited about before we go live for this character. So, could be additional background stuff, any lore, other stuff you like about the character, or if you want to keep all that stuff secretive and um, let it all come out naturally, you can go ahead. But I just want to make sure that I give you this opportunity before we move on to just get out anything else that you might want to to get people excited. Yeah, I think I said this a little bit on the Zone of Truth that I helped, the live Zone of Truth that I helped produce the one time, but what I am really excited about is the amount of interpersonal relationships that this character will have and uh, be able to have and sustain during this adventure that does not contain the party. Mm-hmm. It is very nice to have what feels like a character that'll have a life outside of the immediate danger or party stuff that's going on. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I've been enjoying that as well. You can really just kind of paint pictures and scenes and interactions with folks that aren't purely dependent on how somebody else at the table interprets that scene or that interaction. Yeah. And I, in general, I've been really excited about the Stokers for the same reason. And, and I know I've talked to the rest of the group about some other things that we've, we want to do to, again, just make this world feel more alive because it is more alive than one that we're visiting part-time like Ilmarsh. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Ilmarsh is pretty fucking alive. I don't, I don't even think the people there are warm-blooded. They're cold-blooded. They're still alive. Yeah, just barely. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Pretty strange, but... Yeah, it, definitely looking forward to fleshing out this world, and we're living in the same neighborhood, so... Yeah. I, 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 I know I kind of alluded to there's somebody else in the show that I might have some crossover with. Um, our two characters would know each other. We're still working out exactly how that's going to look, but that's something I'm looking forward to, too. Like, hey, I know that girl. Now we're going to be adventuring together. This is going to be fun. Right. Yeah, that's also very exciting. Yeah. All right. Um, how do you guys feel about talking about the main show now? I think we should. It's been a while. Yeah, Griff, when we were uh, texting back and forth about what we wanted to cover this uh, this episode, you were like, dude, we haven't talked about the main show in forever. We got to do it. Yeah, it's about time. <laughs> We've done too many segments. Yeah. And the segments are great, but we got to get back to our roots. So if I remember correctly, the last time that we talked about anything on the main show on Zone of Truth probably was that octopus combat, right? Because I know we walked through like the octopus stat block. In like episode 129. Yeah, a while ago. Yeah, it's been a while. So 
I kind of want to breeze through everything that's happened. I know we've had some cool encounters. There's some stuff that you've changed. There's been some pretty rich NPCs. Um, so let's just go through it. Investigation around town. This place is creepy. Yeah, I, I'm surprised how creepy you guys feel like it is. I mean, everybody smells bad. Yeah, everybody smells so, bad. So that's not cool. It seems like something's going on. The mayor doesn't trust his own town. Not a single person in his town. Not even one. Not even the sheriff. Yeah, not even the sheriff. Like, his appointed official. <laughs> That's creepy. Yeah, it's definitely shady. You're supposed to be getting the shady vibes here, especially with, like, the fostering stuff. Okay, yeah, and then the word fostering doesn't make me feel good. Yeah, no, lots of creepy vibes from just about everything you've put out. I mean, the fostering is basically the worst possible scenario of that word yeah i don't know it, what that means fostering is normally when you send a child to another family yeah, to be I raised i know what that means griffin i know the actual definition but what do you mean the worst possible definition i don't understand it's like the worst thing could, that could happen if you foster a child somewhere they grow up with scum like an skum not scum yeah 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 it's bad times so i mean Investigation around town. We've been chatting people up. We talked to a lady at the bar. She uh, helped us out quite a bit. But when things started getting wild was this combat at the Recondite Order of the Indomitable Sea. So we basically procked an entire dungeon here. Yep. And Griff, do you want to walk us through this encounter, kind of how you played it because of that? And I also know there were some behind the scenes changes that you made that I think people will be interested in. I think it was an interesting way that that conversation went that you immediately confronted them about you know being responsible potentially for the missing persons and you weren't really you were very forthcoming with why you were there yep and that immediately put them on the offensive and so i kind of played that as like hey, well, we're not actually responsible for this. It's just something we're looking into as a church of the town to draw you in. But saying that kind of stuff is enough for them to kill you. Mm -hmm. As outsiders, it's like, okay, they're, you know, these, they almost think of you as being like shady and, and against the town, really. So they kind of drew you in to take you out. I think had you been less less upfront about what was going on, you probably could have used stealth or diplomacy to bypass that, uh, or at least bypass the first room of people. You know our party is known for subtlety. That's right. Obviously not. Um, <laughs> and that's why you proc the entire dungeon, was because of how brash that was. Uh, literally me punishing you for being stupid. <laughs> Which, I mean... To your credit, that's how your characters will play it, but it... <laughs> so you're saying we did excellent RP. Yeah. Yeah. You you, <laughs> you succeeded at, I, this is what my character would do. Yeah, I mean, had we had, like, incredible stealth ability and or incredible charisma, I could see this playing out a couple different ways, but... I mean, we were sent there to make sure what they were doing was on the up and up. It wasn't. And the mayor did say that we could do whatever we needed to do. So that's what happened there. Behind the scenes, 
All those cultists were a fucking Paizo special again. Level six characters, three levels of cleric, three levels of rogue. Whoa. Yeah. Absolute hot dog water characters. <laughs> so yeah. I made them all six level war priests and I gave them all the uh, cult leader archetype, which kind of bridges that gap. It lets them be a war priest, but it also gives them sneak attack damage. Mm -hmm. And since there were a lot of them, I thought I'd get some opportunity to flank and I didn't really get that because you guys did your uh, shared teamwork feat thing. Coordinated effort. Yeah. May maybe the best usage of a spell I've ever done. Yeah. Uh, and there, the chul I didn't touch, the guardian chul. It's mm -hmm. a, I mean, it's an interesting creature. It's like a divine gift from Dagon that protects the church. But the vicar, I did change. I made him a... He was still a ninth level cleric, but I made him uh, an evangelist because I knew that you guys were procking the entire place. Mm -hmm. So I it, that's the archetype that gives the cleric bardic performance in exchange for uh, some armor proficiency and some, I think his, his channels, like the channel dice are on a slower progression mm -hmm. and you get different stuff instead of the cure spells for your spontaneous casting. But that was really helpful because I could basically buff all of my level six characters so that they stood a chance of hitting, which obviously that combat, because of your thing, devolved into, okay, well, fuck it. I'm making touch attacks. Yep. Yep. Uh, which is <laughs> is what it is. I think the tool was dangerous enough. But as far as the kind of rolling encounter that it became, I did try and space it so that you weren't fighting nine things at once because that felt a little harsh so you obviously fought the first five and then the door opens and then the group comes in and so it was kind of a rolling encounter as opposed to the entire dungeon at once yeah and that's more realistic too you got to think about how short these encounters are right yeah. if we proc the the entire dungeon it's still going to take 10 to 15 seconds for that second room to get organized and open the door and stuff. I, I, I mean, it worked in our benefit, but I think it's logical. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't make any sense for somebody to open the door, you know, immediately after this first sound of combat. So I think I gave you guys like four or five rounds in the first room mm -hmm. uh, before people started showing up and actually moving. But I, it was a fun encounter. I thought it was pretty dangerous. You guys used a lot of resources in it, but uh, it was warranted. Yeah. It was fun. Yeah, what did you think, Haley? How, how were you feeling during that encounter? I was feeling stressed and excited, but also I felt like it gave me a lot of ability to think through my actions and every single thing I took was it felt like a I was constantly trying to make the right play in the playbook yeah that's that that's a good point I do think we we all did as characters have opportunities to shine I know you you were very successful in a lot of your stuff air bear was cutting down basically an opponent around um I was using spells pretty effectively and then Emily just being invisible, just casting buffs and healing and stuff. Yeah, that was, was actually that was a huge benefit. Honestly, that was 
that those are the encounters where as a GM you feel the most like you're playing chess. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's like I have three different stat blocks in front of me with eight different pawns at one time and you know i think you hear me in the episode when i was like i fucking got you mm-hmm. when i uh when i cast that silence because none of my war priests needed the uh needed sound to oh, use yeah. their fervor and and that kind of like nullified freya and matumbe in that moment so it's it's really fun to tactically present those rolling combats i think that's a if you're a gm that really will test your chops if you plan something like that because it's just a lot of moving pieces when stuff's coming into the encounter and how it comes in and when it comes in an initiative and how it reacts to the situation and what it does first and yada 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 yeah uh, a tough encounter very potentially deadly but i think we handled it okay and I, I had a blast. That was that was a nail biter. Um, we moved through that and explored. Had a whole bunch of discoveries in the temple. Um, found a, a lot of Dagon stuff. We had our our folks that gave their baby away, and that kind of sparks the ticking time bomb of oh shit, we need to get to the Undiamed House because something bad is going to go down with this baby. Yeah. Yeah, that's where the fostering stuff becomes brutally real to the party, like, immediately. Where it's like, oh, fuck. Something bad. <laughs> Something bad is on the horizon here. Yeah, it's it's tough because you're walking into a community that's doing wrong things. But it's their way in their culture, and they've been doing it that way for a very long time. So, in a in a way, we I almost felt a little bit like the bad guy, like walking into someone's native culture and telling them what they're doing is wrong. Yeah. But we, we got to solve that problem. Scum are bad people. So we leave there. We end up having a conversation with the mayor that was one of the hottest NPC conversations um, that has ever graced our Discord. Everybody was lighting up about that. <laughs> It was so good. Yeah, early Greedo. Real pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was some of the most fun I've had on the show, just berating you guys and screaming at you. <laughs> and Emily got a great picture of me just like giving it to you guys. It was so good too, because like, although we're all yelling at each other, we're all having we're all clearly having way too much fun yeah, with it. Like everyone's like, <laughs> busting up laughing. Everyone's and, either on the cut. Like that was the hardest. I, I had any breath in me for like the entire time. That was the hardest I've done to not break. You know what I mean? Because yeah. I was like, I kept dishing it out and I was like don't laugh, Griffin. Don't laugh. Like, keep, <laughs> keep giving it to him. You're, you're slaying it. <laughs> yeah, that that was that was great. That was that was so much fun. Um, we move on from uh, the conversation with Mayor Greedo. He goes and checks up with Horace. Um, <laughs> now, now we have two fan favorite NPCs together in one place. I mean, honestly, that's the Hobbs and Shaw of this podcast. <laughs> Hobbs and Shaw. <laughs> <laughs> Croon and Greedo. Yeah. Or Greedle and Croon. I think that, that go- that's a little smoother. So we travel to the Undiamede Manor, and then we have this moment where we're walking around the the manor. And I'll tell you what, I was kind of expecting like a big regal mansion kind of a thing. And rolling up there and realizing this place is an utter shithole. 
was a little bit of a a little bit of a swerve for me. Well, I think it's it's one of those things where you found out that the Diomedes don't rule the town anymore, so they died out. Yeah, I just in my head, you know what? I in my head, I maybe maybe I just was not thinking about this right, but I expected like a weirdly old uh, member of the family like a female member of the family I expected some like weirdly old like way longer than regular life expectancy person living there and like everything this is what was in my head everything would be covered in dust but up kept enough that it was like a normal house not like caved in you know I expected it to have some dis disarray or maybe a little bit more messy or like not totally up to par but I didn't expect like the wall to be smashed and like ooze coming out mm-hmm. yeah I mean there's it's in the middle of a bog so it's in the yeah, where's the bog witch? the sodden timber swamp yeah. so I mean she's coming <laughs> but so things degrade quickly there it's I mean, the coolest part about the place is that it's built on an ancient druidic circle, right? There's, you have all of that, like a huge stone dome built over it. Yeah, they basically like built a house that's rotting on top of Stonehenge. Yeah. Really cool. And yeah, I I guess that's something that like a logical part of my brain could have put together before we got there. But I I was 100% in that Haley camp of... Yeah, this is going to be like some old regal southern manor or whatever. Yeah. And we get there and it's going to be there there'll be some fucked up shit there, but I mean like the vizier's going back there, so I assumed it was livable. It's clearly not. Um and there is this big color out of space moment where Matumbe looks down a well, um loses some of his memory, gets alopecia and uh that was that was a little fun to role play. I had to kick it to you a couple times like Griff, how should I do this? Like because you know, it's making sure that I'm doing it right. Yeah, you're shooting from the hip a little bit. It's uh, it's an interesting set of circumstances. I mean, your characters don't know that that's the color out of space, but anyone that's read any Lovecraft knows that the color out of space was in the well. Yes, or seen that Nicholas Cage movie. Yeah, is that the the name of the thing? I'll never tell. Color out of space? Is that a thing? Is that it's like a it? it's a Lovecraftian monstrosity that is in the story called the Color Out of Space. It's this oh. aberration from space that lands, and I mean, you saw the Nick Cage movie. It's like in the well, but it's it's this unknowable yeah. thing. I couldn't watch a significant portion of that because it kept making me gag. Well, get ready to throw up on air. Uh. <laughs> Uh, wouldn't be the first time uh (laughs) but uh no and and i I just want to reinforce here if anybody out here is interested in this sort of lovecraftian stuff and hasn't seen color out of space do yourself the the service yeah if you i mean it's it's a crazy nick cage movie on top of an actually good representation of a lovecraft story exactly all right um and then just kind of rounding out our big old um big old trip through memory memory lane here over the last several episodes is this giant combat with the marsh giant and then uh, by this time this episode drops we'll also have the episode after that dropping confusion <laughs> which is 
again, kind of like that conversation with the mayor, some of the hardest I've laughed in so long because it's such a terrible, shitty situation. We're all doing shitty things to each other. We're having so much fun doing it. The Marsh Giant, though, fucking brutal. We almost had uh, an eclipse death there. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Uh, one non-confirmed crit away from a death. Yeah, she was... I mean, things are getting d- like pretty close. tough as ninth level characters. This is this is where it starts to get hard. I think the last battle were. Let, let me rephrase that. I think the easiest of the last like five or six battles was the octopus combat, and like we still got fucking boned in that combat. Like, besides that, all of these encounters have just been, like, nail-biter, life-or-death encounters where so- someone's gonna die. Like, hey, hey, it's Steve, been tough. What? Pl- player to player, are we doing bad at Pathfinder? Yeah, we clearly <laughs> are. No, no, no. Obviously we this, are. This is a Greg Vaughn book. So you know it's gonna be brutal. And, and the reason it's brutal is because you have these encounters that are so spread out. Okay. It's like, you have this assassin that can insta-kill somebody... Then nothing for a couple days. Then an octopus thing. Then nothing for a couple days. Then you proc the entire. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. So we're still good at Pathfinder. I wouldn't say I wouldn't go that far. I would say I, I know you wouldn't go that far, but I do think we have been utilizing our characters in a f- like pretty decent way. Yeah. Do we all have the most optimal like builds? Probably not. But like, if you go back to the encounter we just talked about. In the temple, we were all using our characters very, very effectively. Now, is that going to be enough over the next couple encounters? We'll find out. Because this one, again, was brutal. And we recorded a little bit ahead. And uh, <laughs> it doesn't get easier. <laughs> some brutality ahead. Um, yeah, but fucking the confusion was so much fun. It was ridiculous. Again, yeah. I was talking with uh, with the team when we were recording this past Saturday. and I was, And I mentioned that I had just been walking around my apartment that morning before we recorded, just like fucking giggling to myself, thinking of Air Bear and Eclipse staring at each other through the window and then like silently and then Air Bear just starts babbling. Air Bear just... <laughs> <laughs> that, that Marsh Giant, by the way, was uh, bred with scum. Like she, she was the result of like scum and marsh giant breeding. So she had some weird aquatic stuff going on. She was mechanically a brineborn marsh giant, and then I added the uh, advanced template onto her. Cause is is brineborn a template, or is that like a a specific creature? I think brineborn is a template on top of marsh giant. I'm not okay. positive. Um, or it might just be that. I, it's a double advanced template or whatever, but it's like, I think it gives your SL spell like abilities and stuff better saves and that kind of thing. And Very I think cool. it might give you more spell like abilities. I'm not positive what the base Mars Giant has, but I mean, stuff like Confusion was great to have three times a day, like bestow curse three times a day. Brutal. Really good stuff for, for really a primarily melee character. Yeah, no, she was a she was a good fight. That was it was a lot tougher than I thought too. Um, again, the kind of running theme here is just difficult encounters. We saw we saw that giant, and I was like, okay, we're gonna fucking clean this encounter up and go home in two rounds. But nope, nope, <laughs> not the case. Not when you can get a couple confusions off. All right, 
that was a lot. Do either of you have anything else you want to cover from the last, like, seven episodes? Nope. Nope. Sounds good. All right. Well, as I like to do uh, when we have uh, somebody on as a guest, I just kind of post it out to our Discord. Hey, do you have any questions for Haley? And we do have a whole bunch of them. Spoiler alert, a lot of them are about ghosts. <laughs> yeah. um, can we real quick just can you uh, go ahead and skip the first question and read the next three just right in a row so I can answer them alright yep we'll bang it out quick so Trey Malari asks will the new character's dominant ghost be good this time instead of an evil axe murderer then we have Mariella Graham is her next character also full of ghosts? And then there was a ghost emoji after that. Then by Harrow Guard Tart asks, how many ghosts is too many? Okay, uh, yeah, so no ghosts in the new character. What mm -hmm. if I kill Figgy? No ghosts in the new character. Mm. None. Uh, and how many ghosts is too many? Well, for Eclipse, there is never enough. Literally never enough. Um, but for uh, this new character, there's no ghosts, so one is too many. What about for uh, Divida? How many ghosts does she have? She has ancestors, not ghosts. Okay, ghosts. Ancestors, not ghosts. Ghost of a second eye. Oh wait, I'm sorry. She never had one, she so ne never had one. Had My bad. Eye. The ghost of that eye. She did, clearly. Did you pass out. your sense motive or heal check? I think everybody did. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So no ghosts in bestow curse. Calling it now. Well, I mean, there's going to be ghosts. No ghosts no from ghosts. my character. No ghosts specifically tied to the mechanics of Haley's character. Sure. <laughs> okay. Weird, right after this, she just she went back and she was like, ah, "Sorry, I want to be. I want. I want my uh, my archetype to be something involved with ghosts." Back on her ghost shit again. Back on her ghost shit. How are you supposed to be a good some character? Withdrawals. All right. Um, next question comes from Tilda. Do you ever want to GM on the show again like the April Fool special? And we demand the return of the fruit cart. So obviously, uh, uh, Pablos and Pals isn't happening for April 1st this year. Got too much <laughs> shit going on. Yeah, that's correct. So yeah, we've got too much stuff going on, but I, I like GMing. Um, I do like GMing so much so that... I am going to be GMing right after Steve. Yes. So for Link Legacy, I will be GMing the one right after Steve. I know that's not one of the specials, but I'm hoping it's still going to be uh, it's going to be a fun um, segment of Link Legacy for me to do a module um, on there. So yes, I will be GMing again, just more uh, long term and a little bit more specific. And you just G finished GMing our first Champagne Room patron. Game. Oh, yeah. That was a blast. Yeah. Can we talk about that for a second? That fucking rocked. Yeah. Uh, so I GMed a Pathfinder S Society scenario called uh, Drow of the Darklands. And it was super good. It's a very interesting um, overall scenario. And I had a blast. Everyone brought their A-game. Brought really good characters. I had two different people who haven't played Pathfinder. One-y, one at all. Or in a long time and and that was also a blast i like uh having new players so that was fun um you guys both played in it what'd you think oh it was really fun yeah i'm glad i brought a literal heel bot though <laughs> yeah that was kind of necessary that was uh you you did good i mean you did you did the whole uh hit the party with 30 lightning bolts so that that's was correct fucking brutal uh five seconds what'd you play 
Oh, I played a surgeon android. Uh, why can't I think of the name? Alchemist. Yes. So the the healer alchemist. Yeah, the healer alchemist. And I and I had the. There's another archetype which I can't. It's like a blight blightlands warrior or some dumb shit. Uh, it stacks with surgeon and it lets you deliver your healing serums as a touch attack if you load them in. Which I felt was cool with an android because I could like pop a syringe out of my hand and just yeah, it was fucking awesome. Uh, as as for me, I played an Aphorite. That's a that's a race. They're like the descendants of Axis or whatever. Um, and I was a Vanguard Slayer, so I was studying targets and um, bestowing like different buffs on my party at the same time, which was a lot of fun. And I had some really really cool synergies with some of the people that we played with. Um, yeah, really great synergy until that last uh, combat. Yeah, until I just was held person for the entirety of the second or the last combat. It wasn't hold person. Greater command, I, yeah, greater still. command. It was <laughs> greater it command. Was stand person. still. Okay, hold person. <laughs> <laughs> All right. With the exception of that nonsense, I had so I had a lot of fun. That's like, that's like, uh, that's like pulling the mask off a Scooby Doo villain. <laughs> it's like greater command. Pull the mask off. Hold person. You were whole person the whole time. <laughs> yeah, except greater command affects more people. Yeah. It it was a blast. And hey. Any one of you listening could participate if you want to subscribe at that tier of the Patreon. Check it out because you're going to get cool shit like this. Uh, I couldn't fun. believe, just shout out to those guys. I couldn't believe we had a full table. Like, Oh, yeah. Literally, literally four months after we announced our Paizo partnership, we had a full table at that tier. It was just amazing. Uh, so thank you guys again. We had a blast. Thanks for playing. Yes, it was it was definitely 100% great time. They think it's a reward for them, but like I had a fucking great Sunday yeah. night. So <laughs> <laughs> jokes on them. Yes, and I got to do cool stuff in Foundry with the map yeah. lighting. Yeah, so 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 some specialty map lighting and you know flickering lights make it all cavern like. It was fun. Yeah, it was really cool. All right, final Haley-specific question before we move on to a couple general ones. Uh, your Tombe asks, if you had to make a backup character for Eclipse outside of your wizard, what class would they be? So, Tulia really is my backup. And so I know you say outside of my wizard. Uh, Tulia really is my backup, and so I haven't put a lot of thought into this. But I, I, I think it would be fun to play maybe another occult class. Um, mm-hmm. It's not something that's played all the time and it's not something that I always have the opportunity to play um, in various different situations. So I think that would be fun is to play another occult class, which one I'm not 100% sure on because I'd have to make sure that they are dynamic enough to deal with undead, which most uh, some of those occult classes can deal, can't deal with undead as effectively. Can I put my vote out there? Yeah. Kineticist, 100%. Kineticist. You, the, know, you know I've looked at Kineticist yeah, a few times. The, the, <laughs> well, because you can do so many different things, but the air one gives you like a ton of utility and constant flight and that it kind gives, of stuff. It it's gives really me, cool. Kineticist gives me uh, similar flexibility vibes as like an occultist does and mm-hmm. some of those aspects, and so I, I have looked at that. Yeah, that's a good one. I built a Kineticist a while ago. Never got to play as one. They're really cool. Play the Kinesis in society. The blasts are dope. They truly are. 
Okay, moving over into um, just some of the general listener questions. Uh, this first one comes from Thomas or Max. Are you interested in romance in your games? Do you have any heartwarming or heartbreaking stories to share? Um, I thought this was a good question because we haven't really talked about romance a whole lot in our games, and it's something I feel like we've got a pretty universal stance on. It's going to be really awkward at this table. Like, yeah, well, I don't. Yeah. Okay, so with, with some specific exceptions, yeah, there's some exceptions there because I think it's awkward for anyone besides the couple and couple romances to have like a character and character romance. I also think, generally, in my opinion, I don't like that because to me, it feels like your adventuring party is almost mixing work and relationships. You know what I mean? So, like, sure. I don't personally, I, it would feel weird to me to have a romantic relationship with another party member because it feels like I'm mixing work and home. So you're saying you're both much more comfortable with romance when it's with the GM because you're both madly in love with me. Well, yeah. Okay. I don't like that you're the one that hesitated. <laughs> <laughs> I'm engaged to you. <laughs> um, but I, I, I don't know. I feel like it's also something again. It's we haven't played very many times, or we've been in one spot in for a very long time. So, what relationships am I really gonna uh, develop with this? one bartender that we get all of our information from. I feel like yeah. it's much easier to have a relationship with an NPC just in general because like that relationship is all up to you still. Like I'm not really I'm not injecting really the NPC's feelings into that as much. You know, I'm I'm letting you talk about the relationship as it is and I will go along with that whereas a player and a player's like both of their characters having a relationship, it's both people that have a lot more agency and like potentially different opinions with how that's going to go. And I, I don't like that as much because I just think it's, it's hard to, it's hard to balance that if there's like a, you know, I think our characters might break up. Oh, well that would devastate my character. Blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I, I totally agree with every single thing you're saying. Like, with an NPC, you can sort of dictate it. You definitely see that in like the Saw Anya thing, where mm -hmm. it's like a lot, virtually all of that happens off camera. So right. like we were just able to say like, okay, these things happen and now they're in love or whatever. Fine. Right, and I think you can do that and still have like really heartfelt moments. Like you have like Anya doing Saw's eulogy. Like that's, mm -hmm. I mean, that's a, you can tell that's like a, a romance that happened, even though it didn't happen on air. Right, and but then like comparing that to having a romance with somebody at the table, uh, I I I just personally don't think I'd like that. Um, first of all, if it were like any of us that are not dating, that's really fucking weird. And second of all, even if like my girlfriend were on this, if my hypothetical girlfriend were on this show, like like what if we like start arguing in character? Like I don't want to like take that back home. Like right, that's right. fucking weird. Or like if we are fighting at home, like and then like have to pretend like we're super in love on the show. Like I don't like that. That sucks. Um, so I don't I don't know that it really. 
has a place in my heart with like another character. But yes, with an NPC, we can, I think we can sort of make it happen. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I legitimately think it'll probably happen in Bestow Curse. I think, you know, I especially so. we have a, we have a couple of characters that are younger too. And, you know, I, I definitely get the vibe with like a Freya and Matumbe that they're kind of in like, I'm old to even being, ad be adventuring. Like I'm not out here looking for love like Matumbe yeah. left a family <laughs> right <laughs> and Freya clearly had a bad relationship in the past or a bad thing happened in a relationship in the past that like those characters aren't ever gonna really be the like flirty character mm -hmm. but I definitely see the bestow curse characters kind of possibly going that way and that could be fun to explore I think so well right especially with NPCs you're gonna see a lot more it just it makes sense that even if relationships don't happen like there would be there would be flirtation and that kind of thing just it it happens with people you see all the time yeah the one giant uh exception to the rule here is that griff you and i played a little uh extracurricular all on the table session with min max where, yeah. where our characters <laughs> were flirting with each other the entire adventure and then end up hooking up at the end you know gotta have a happy ending that's true so they always say but you know, I think I think we could do that because of things like Saw and Anya, where we're like at this point comfortable enough to do that and not yeah. have it be weird. Yeah, there's no like sexual attention between the two of us in real life. Like this isn't gonna get weird. Like we could, oh, yeah. oh unless, <laughs> unless, unless, I'm sitting right here. <laughs> <laughs> you were also real late on the take up with. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, this question asked for examples. We had the Saw Anya example. I do have an example where my character has a relationship uh, in our Return of the Rune Lords campaign. Oh, yeah, my character right. lost his fiance, um, like out off camera, and Tim brought his fiance into the story, uh, but like, of course, made him like fucked up at the beginning and had me like have to save him and that kind of thing and so didn't i play your fiance for that one <laughs> you did one special you did, yeah tim had him set it out but uh i mean i i wouldn't say that's ever like really role played heavily it's just kind of a thing that like i wanted to be a part of my character that like you know he's left stuff behind or like he's yeah. you know he's had loss that he doesn't he doesn't know if it's loss or if it's, you know, somebody that... I guess I never asked since that last time I played, is is he still alive? He's still alive, yeah. As is my character for now. Somehow. Okay. Somehow. <laughs> Book six of Return of the Rune Lords. Holy shit. Greg, Greg Vaughn. <laughs> God damn it. Chill a little bit. Come on. You thought he was bad with a fourth book. Dear God. Sixth book. All right. I think we're about we're about getting to time here, so I just want to jump to our last question. This comes from Twisted Slurp Nigma. Have you ever had a Carrion Crown nightmare before? Also, if applicable, what's the worst nightmare you've ever had? I definitely wanted to save this for when Haley was on because I know she has absolutely had Carrion Crown nightmares before. Oh yeah, that's all hundred percent correct. I will uh, dream. Uh, yes, I don't call them nightmares as much as I I will dream about combats and. They're, they're not about, like, being in the story, though. Like, I don't dream in the story. I dream about our sessions. And so I will dream about a session, and I have 
the I think at the top of the one episode I listed off my numbers because I made notes of them because it was like dur- between the like break, oh, I remember you talking about yep. like oh uh in three scenarios, I die. In two scenarios, Matube died. Correct. And there was one scenario where both Matube and I died. Um, it was it was a, a lot. So yeah, I, I definitely do. I dream a lot about uh, playing, especially if we do a lot of pl- if we do like banking or anything where we play like a, a lot all at once. Mm-hmm. I'll think about it for a while, um, but. I, 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 it's less of like I know I've heard of some people and I, I kind of wish this would be so cool but I, I kind of wish I was like dreaming as though I was almost in character and like seeing it but I dream more about the sessions yeah I had never had one of those dreams until Saturday or Sunday night oh yeah after um I'm speak I'm going to speak extraordinarily vaguely right now because this hasn't happened yet um but there is something that Griffin wanted to happen that didn't. And uh, I I dreamed that it did. And it, was in, it wasn't like in character. It was in session. Like we were all sitting around the table and something really terrible happened. And uh, that was a difficult dream. Yeah. That, that sucked. See, I'm the, I'm the other way because I, I have that kind of imagination where like when I read and stuff, I see it like a movie in my head. Mm-hmm. Uh, so all of the episode 100 stuff, I was dreaming about that like really heavily when, when I was like in the weeds preparing that. And that was like, you know, four hours out of my day every day. <laughs> it's like trying to get that stuff done. And I would, I would dream of like the, the epic scenes with like the werewolves, descending on um, Feldgrau and that kind of thing, which kind of helped me like actually write out those scenes. But uh, I would, I wouldn't dream those as like me at the table explaining them to you. I would dream them as like that happening. Like it was in a movie, which was cool. I hope there's people out there that have that kind of imagination that feel that way when they listen to stuff that we like put out because that was a very epic like imagery to me that whole kind of 100 yeah. and and even beyond 100 just like that whole Feldgrau arc was like Feldgrau was wild super vivid to me I feel like I'm much more apt to dream about something that I I am reading or listening to then something that my decisions change what happened and then it's i focus so entirely on what was what would be my decision what is my decision and it haunts me yeah that that's that's very fair um and i, and I guess i toss it out there to the to the extended carrying crowd like if you guys have dreamt about our show let us know because <laughs> i definitely want to know about that or if you've dreamt about any one of us in particular i'd also like to know about that all right steve calm down stop begging for attention man <laughs> listen <laughs> that hypothetical girlfriend i'm talking about she's out there she's out there she's, she's waiting <laughs> and she <laughs> And you know she she's an imaginative uh, thinker. She could she could just picture the scenes with you vividly. Oh, God, I hope so. Good lord. Certainly be better than real life, <laughs> uh, or me in real life. <laughs> <laughs> she better have a real fucking imagination. <laughs> imagination. <laughs> well, I've never seen a picture of him. I just imagine him based off his Matube voice. 
Oh, she about to be real fucking disappointed. All right. Well, hey, Haley, thank you so much for coming on. I hope you're excited about as excited of about Bestow Curse as I am. It sounds like you are. Congratulations, you succeeded your will save. Any last final things you want to share with the folks back home? Thank you for getting us this far. I'm so excited. Only good things ahead. And Griffin, let's take it home. How about that? Yeah. Why don't you guys finish your drinks? Because we'll see you in two weeks. Later. Later.